2: Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was
0: in? Jay Talking with Bradley
2: J. I listen to Morning with the Sun Up, I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name a bridal DJ Improved my mind in a wonderful way I just called in to see what condition conversation was in
0: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah What condition conversation was
2: in WBZ, you're Jay talking. We're live in night two, five. and this is gonna be fun tonight uh, We're gonna talk about A cool gig coming up that you can either go to or watch at home. And then we're going to have open lines. Now, with us in the studio, and I'm really honored to have them here, Carolyn Mugar, Executive Director of Farm Aid, and Jennifer Fahey, Communications Director of Farm Aid. That's right, the real Farm Aid, that Farm Aid. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Now, how did Farm Aid come to be? Who wants to tell that story? How did it come to be? What was the situation at the time? Why did it need to exist? And who stepped up to put it all together?
0: Well, Willie Nelson is the one that stepped up because he thought something was wrong in this country if we were treating our family farmers the way we were. In the mid-'80s, there was a terrible farm crisis, and there were farmers being foreclosed um, at a terrible rate. How many a week? I forgot.
1: Four? 330. Wow. A
0: week, yeah. And, um, and he just thought something was wrong if, we were, if, if that's how we were behaving. So he said, we've got to do something for our family farmers. So the story has it that he was with the governor of Illinois, and um, the governor said, "Well, I can give you the stadium if you want." And so, within a few weeks, Farm Aid made the first concert happen.
2: And how much money did they raise? How much money do you raise now? And what does it actually do?
0: We raised nine million then, and um, we've raised to date fifty-seven million. Fifty-seven.
2: Fifty-seven.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: And what do you spend it on exactly? You go, Jen.
1: Exactly. Um, well, it supports the activities of the organization, which was not initially thought about um, when Willie Nelson and John Mellencamp and Neil Young came together for that first concert. Uh, they thought they were holding a concert, not creating an organization. Uh, but we had a one nine hundred number that was re- uh, that was taking calls from folks who were ge- uh, so generous in making donations. And it actually became overwhelmed with farmers calling because suddenly here was this national uh, thing making headlines and and inviting farmers to call and ask for help. And so they were, and you quickly moved at that time to make it a a 1-800 number, and it became a hotline. And that has been a core part of our work since 1985. We take calls every day from farmers, and we connect them to resources that can assist them uh, I usually think about it as a three-legged stool in terms of the resources we're connecting them to, financial, legal, and mental health. And uh, we're trying to connect them to someone in their own community that can come by and sit down and talk with them.
2: And that hotline still exists?
1: It still exists, yep, one 800 farm But we also support a network of organizations across the country, so we have a big grant cycle every year. We come back from the festival event and we sit down all of us on staff and read these grant proposals that come from organizations all across the country doing
0: this work with farmers and we support their work.
2: So where was the first farm aid show, the first farm aid gig and who were some of the performers?
0: It was in Champaign at the University of Illinois and some of the performers <laughs> it was crazy lineup. It was Dylan, it was of course Willie and John Mellencamp and Neil Young who are the uh, founders. It was Sammy Hagar and Van Halen and Emmylou. And I believe Johnny Cash played the first one. And um, Joni Mitchell. It was crazy.
1: It was 54 bands on one stage in one day.
0: And it rained. Wow, all, 54 all bands
2: is like a Woodstock amount of bands.
0: Yes. We had more at the second one. <laughs> so
2: 1985 rates right, so were 85, 95. 2005, 2015. How many years now? 34. 34. I got, could have just asked you. I didn't have to do the math. <laughs> Carolyn, how did you get involved? I bet you there's a story there. Were you were you involved in the very first one? And how did they find you? And what were those meetings like? And what, what did they ask you? Meetings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was um, a friend of a guy named Bill Whitliff, who unfortunately just passed away a few um, months ago from Texas. He was a famous screenwriter. He wrote the Lonesome Dove series for TV and he also wrote the movie Country which was in 1985 and I had become friends with him and his wife Sally and they were look Bill was part of when Farm Aid started in in Willie's um, world because Bill was working with Willie then so they thought who can do whatever needs to be done and so Sally actually thought of me Um, and I knew nothing so it's a good place to start it's a so you great knew nothing. You
2: must have known something because they chose you. Well, you must have had some experience doing some things that they thought would be beneficial. What, what That's were probably those, true. What were those things?
0: <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> um, well, at the time, I was a um, trade union organizer, so I was working for the Amalgamated Clothing and Textile Workers Union. Um, so, and I really knew very little, if anything, about nonprofits. So I had to learn everything standing up, so to speak. But what? What happened was Bill Whitliffe, because of the movie Country, which if you haven't seen, is definitely worth seeing with Jessica Lange and um, Sam Shepard. Uh, it's, it's, really, it, it's a film about that time, and it actually is about now, too. It's worth seeing again. It really should be revived. Um, Bill had done a lot of work on what was happening with family farmers around the country because Jessica Lang wanted to make this film and wanted this film to be written because she'd read an article in a paper about what were happening to family farmers so they had done research and found um, some organizations and some people that were out in the countryside doing really good work with farmers. And so I piggybacked off that that information, and then um, through my boyfriend at the time, who became my husband, John O'Connor, he worked. He was a organizer with a lot of groups around the country um, on anti-toxics work. So he knew a lot of grassroots groups around the country that were organizing on. Um, Anti-toxics work, and and they also were multi-organizational groups, multi—I um, should say—issue groups. So I got connected to some of those groups through him, and then it just, one thing led to another, and I just started meeting with farmers in their kitchens. So you were involved before the first show. Correct. About ten days before the first
2: so show. So you're kind of—were you kind of the Michael Lang of that? The uh, guy, I, the I, organizer of Woodstock. Well, did I, you
0: have similar <laughs> challenges?
2: You know, the put up the fences, get the sound. I, I didn't do all much that. production
0: stuff. The production okay. stuff really was done by Willie and his the people that he knew, of course, from the music business. So ten Jam. days before
2: is pretty late.
0: Jam production.
2: It, it had already been pretty much pulled together by that time.
0: Uh, 10 well days? more or less. More or less. What did you how did you spend that ten days? Um, out in farm country talking to farmers. Just going from one place to, one farm to the next, really, literally. And meeting at, at kitchen tables.
2: And what was there besides the music at that first one? Now you have your, now it's kind of like a farmer's market at these things, but what was it like at the first one,
0: Um, other than the music? Well, um, some of these groups, I was able to get some of these groups to come in, so, and it was, at that point, there was sort of a swarm of people to Farm Aid, because uh, they realized that there was probably going to be money raised, so you had to do some serious weeding out, um, and a lot of this was sort of by intuition, quite frankly. Um, and just trying to discern if people were genuine or not. So um, that the first one was a melee of artists, just one artist after another. I think people only played three songs because there were so many bands. So they just there was a revolving stage, actually, and it was hand-revolved, and they put huge crowbars into the stage and pulled it. Stagehands pulled the stage around. So if you sang too long... The, the, the All of a sudden you start the, the, moving sideways? It was a brown turntable, yeah, and, and the, it would start moving. So pretty soon the word is don't stay too long because you'll get dizzy.
2: We're with uh, Carolyn Mugar and Jennifer Fahey of uh, Farm Aid. You can listen at home, right?
1: You can, yeah. We actually have three ways to take part from home. We have a TV show that's running on Access TV uh, we have a live broadcast on Sirius XM Radio. Willie Nelson has a station called Willie's Roadhouse. And um, we also webcast starting at 2 p.m. Central, so 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live at farmaid.org.
2: Now, tell me about Willie Nelson. He's key. He was a pivotal figure in the beginning. He still is. And he's actually made changes in the way that Americans view farmers and understand farming.
0: Yeah, I think, Willie, I mean, if you look back then at how people viewed farmers, they were very marginalized, and people didn't have a lot of respect for them nat- sort of naturally. And now farmers really have become people that people view them, I think, very differently. And I really think it's because Willie Willie gave them the respect that they deserve. And it, what it did when he called out the country to come do something that was right for family farmers. It also made them feel much better about themselves, and it was. And we've gotten innumerable, um, you know, letters, etc., from farmers saying, you know, Willie gave me hope to keep fighting on, and they they had given up because they didn't think anybody cared, and when Willie connected them to the world and made them the viable people that they are and the people to be respected. That really changed things.
2: Is it your sense that farmers are fighting an inevitably losing battle and at some point will go away, the family farmers? Or do you sense that there's this, with the help of Farm Aid and with the help of Willie and with the help of you, that there's this push towards family farming and away from factory farming?
0: Well, I think people are learning what's happening to our soil and water. And there's a Far greater concern for the quality of the food we eat, and people don't want the mass-produced food, the over, over. um, What's the word I was? Industrialized. Processed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, processed food. And um, Willie made this brilliant statement. One, don't forget, he's one of our iconic communicators in the whole country, and he said, "You know, we started Farm Aid to save the family farmer. Now it looks like the family farmer is going to save us," and that's really how we see farming in this country and what the family farmer is doing is leading the way on a viable future for our soil our water and our food so y'all have a a real
2: relationship with willie nelson what what he's our boss yeah tell (laughs) tell me about willie he
0: signs all the checks that go to the farm groups Um, and jen mentioned earlier the grant process that we have and we simply make recommendations to him and he makes the final decisions and yeah he's been our boss for many many years now decades
2: how much of his time does this take is this the primary thing
0: uh no i mean his primary thing is that he's an artist that travels Uh around the country playing for people but you know he's very interested in it and he calls with with ideas and he also you know we call him with ideas too we we bounce things off of him he's he's very engaged how about his
2: leadership style just curious He is the leader. Exactly. Does he have a particular (laughs) leadership style that you can describe?
0: I think people in this book, Good to Great, that I glanced at once, you know, his leadership style is to make other people strong.
2: And who else do you deal with and who else has been integral all along as pillars of Farm Aid?
0: That's a good question. Um, As I mentioned before, Bill Whitliff, who who passed away, was um, very instrumental in connecting us to so many good folks out in the countryside. Jen, who would you say?
1: Well, certainly Neil Young and John Mellencamp, who were co-founders. But mm. also Dave Matthews joined the board in 2001. And um, that was the first new board member after since the beginning of Farm Aid. And he had come to Farm Aid, he and the band, in 90, 1990?
0: 95,
1: Five. 95. And um, he was a young guy in pajama pants at that time. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the Dave Matthews fans listening, um, they remember that error. Uh, and he just caused a splash. And I think the our guys were very taken with him as well and thinking about bringing on younger artists to continue their legacy. And, and that's also the case for Willie's sons, Lucas Nelson and Micah Nelson, um, both of whom have bands that... Play at Farm Aid every year, and they grew up on the Farm Aid stage, and they've, they've very much taken on um, the mission of family farmers and, and good food personally as well.
0: This summer, when Lucas um, was traveling around, he made a lot of visits to family fa- to farmers markets all along the way and asked us for where are the good farmers markets uh, vis-a-vis his tour.
2: What can people listening right now do to support the family, family farmer? what kind of choices can they make that would actually make a difference and really be part of the big movement to push back factory farming and kind of save the day forever?
1: Connecting with family farmers directly, whether it's through a farmer's market or a CSA, um, community-supported agriculture program, where you're buying a share of the farm ahead of time, making those personal connections is huge, um, both financially because your money is going directly to that farmer rather than the middlemen and the retailers. Um, but also, right now, as farmers are struggling across the country with low prices, we have a crisis in mental health of farmers, and um, those personal connections to farmers are really important. Um, you know, we—I've been to farm conferences talking about this issue of farmer suicide, sadly. And one of the things that I've been most taken with is that um, people who work with farmers say, you know, one of the best things you can do is just connect with them personally and say, "Hey." You know, I know times are tough. How's it going? Um, so don't just go
2: to the farm stand and buy your corn and split. Hang yeah. out and talk.
1: But definitely buy the corn, too, because farmers right. markets have become so popular, especially here in the East Coast. Um, they've become these gathering places for people, which is amazing. But sometimes people don't necessarily spend their money there. And it's okay. essential we spend our money there.
2: All right. We have about three more minutes. And is I, would, there- I would
0: just add to let your... Elected officials know that you care about family farmers and that you want them to be looking out for the interests of family farmers in all different kinds of bills. And Farm Aid, um, on our website, you can find some of that information.
2: This on. may be beyond the scope of this interview. If, if it is, I'll maybe get an answer from the listeners afterwards. But is there a place where, where a person could go right now online and see a list of family farms and where they are? Where they are?
1: Yes, um, there's a website called LocalHarvest.org, and you can put in your zip code, and you can see farmers, farmers markets, um, farm stands—you name it—any kind of program that supports farmers directly.
2: I, I have to say that it's, it's when you buy these local goods, they taste way better. I've been eating peaches this summer yes. from <laughs> New Hampshire local peaches. I don't exactly know, but they're not—they're not brought in on trucks, and they taste exponentially better it all tastes so good i actually went to the new england produce mart and got some they have a a lot of it comes from california some of it comes locally and i went to visit this guy named nature boy who is a works at the produce mart and his job is to buy from the people that bring it in on trucks he buys it puts it in a warehouse and then divvies it up and sends his orders out to the restaurants for local and he just tore off a uh the Huskoff ear of corn and you could eat it raw and it was so delicious it's not like the stuff that's been in you know freezes for a long time
1: definitely that's one of the cool things about our mission it's actually not something that you um feel like you're forced to do and that it's like painful to do right when we tell people
2: yeah it's joy it brings you you joy it's a (laughs) win-win you can
0: eat our mission
2: that's right. There you go. Is that one of the things that you, you, one of your sayings that you told your folks in your office? No. You do it is one daily. now. <laughs> my, my public
0: service announcement to everybody. Right.
2: Now, in about 90 seconds, what are the things that are that are challenging to family farmers now? There's, well, the tariffs, and there are droughts, and there's prices. What's, what's their challenge now?
1: They always have the challenges of weather, um, you know, pests. Insects, um And consolidation,
0: consolidation in, the mar- in, the, in agriculture, specifically, very particularly right now with dairy farmers, too. The, one of the really big problems is these huge CAFOs that are developing with um, close to 1,000 cows, a lot of them. And there's an overproduction of milk. And dairy farmers are trying to get across that they want to manage their own supply, not um, be overwhelmed by um, more milk than we need.
2: So this is really all in the hands of the consumer. We we really can decide it all.
0: You can, with farmers. I with mean, what farmers. We, yeah, I mean, farmers really... We have leaving. the power. Yes, we do. We do. But right. it's complicated. All
2: and right, well, that's why you're here. That's
1: why we're here, yeah. Um, Karen Lynn mentioned CAFOs, factory farms, is what most people know them by. Um, so that's a big issue that Farm Aid started to work on in the 1990s, and that continues to resonate with people. Um, and so... That's a really huge one that people can really get involved in, but it's important to know what you're talking about and what the complicating factors are.
2: Talking about consolidation, consolidation is a battle that the farmers have to fight every day. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. Um, it's, it's a lot of what Farm Aid talks about, um, and we talked earlier about going to the farmers markets, and those farmers are typically working in a local food system where they're not necessarily feeling the impacts of consolidation, but... Um, We have so many farmers in this country that are raising commodity crops like corn and soy and and milk, and those folks are dealing with really low prices right now that are a result of consolidation um, in the industry and these very large companies, like everyone knows Monsanto, for instance, in the seed business. Um, These huge companies that have a ton of power and really, um, you know, squeeze farmers. on both ends, in terms of the price they have to pay for the inputs for growing and also on the price that they receive for their product. Um, Carolyn mentioned milk, and um, it's similar with our commodity grains, but we have an oversupply because we have this idea in our country, and we have since the early days of Farm Aid. um, The reason that the farm crisis initially happened in the 80s has to do with this policy of grow as much food as possible. Um, and we still, we haven't learned that lesson. We're still doing that. And so these farmers are encouraged and they'll, you know, they'll supposedly make more money if they grow as much food as possible. Then we have these huge surpluses and then there's nothing to do with the product and the price is low and farmers are in trouble and they owe their money and they can't pay their debts back. So that's the situation right now. In the case of milk, farmers are earning less than it costs them to milk their cows every single day. So that money is just, um, going down the
2: drain. In the Amazon... The forests that supply, well, I've heard, heard it said every fifth breath we take, oxygen-wise, they're deforesting, they're burning those forests down. And that is related to these unsustainable farming practices. And it's related to what's the opposite of family farming. Can you make the, connect the dots?
1: Yeah, um, and some of those farmers are family farms down there, and they're forced into the system too to cut down the rainforest and um, farm that land uh, for mostly corn and soy, which is going to feed mostly animals that are in factory farm conditions. Um, so that's that goes back to that point about knowing where your food comes from, because um, you know the factory farm animal livestock production system is terrible for our planet and for our health and for the animals. And on the other hand, this idea that we should only think about eating less meat kind of misses the point that we need to be concerned about the kind of meat we're eating. Because if we're going down to the farmer's market and buying that local meat that um, has been raised on pasture, then we actually are helping to mitigate climate change. Those Carolyn likes to talk about the hooves. Um, The hooves (laughs) of those animals are actually putting the carbon back in the soil. So that's the kind of agriculture we need. So, you know, good news, we don't necessarily have to give up our bacon, but we need to know where it's coming from and how it's produced.
2: So folks, let's talk about the big gig coming up. It's September 21. If I were not going away, if I, if you know, if things had worked out differently, I would go to this thing because I'm all excited about it from talking to you and from your excellent website. What is the website again?
1: Farmaid.org.
2: Easy to remember, Farmaid.org. You might want to go there while we're speaking. <laughs> and uh, it's the 21st. Can you tell me about the venue, because it is a historical venue?
0: It is. It's a It's a uh, venue where the, a lot of jam bands have played. Um, the Fish, it's one of Fish's favorite venues, and it's on a fairly steep hill. And um, it's in the countryside in Wisconsin. If you look at an aerial view, it's bordered by dairy farms all around it. So it's the first time we've ever played in a venue that was so smack dab in the middle of, of farm country. And it's a beautiful venue. Um, and the really amazing thing that always happens at Farm Aid is that all these artists get to play together if they want to. You know, most, most days they're lacing the country in their tour buses. And that's, quite frankly, how Willie found out that farmers are in trouble too because he would talk to them at truck, truck stops. And he recognized that um, there was a really bad bleeding situation going on in the countryside. So these artists get to see each other and they very seldom get to visit with each other. So they, they're talking backstage, and they decide, hey, come on, come play on my set. And so th- it's um, always an unpredictable musical experience because they walk on and off with each other. It's, and sometimes they stay for the whole game. We've <laughs> seen some artists stay with Willie in the entire t- set. You know, They just don't want to leave playing with Willie. Gary Clark Jr., as I recall, when he came onto Willie's band set, and he just played the whole set. What are
2: some of the previous venues?
0: Oh, we've been everywhere, really. We've been around the whole country. We've played in Tinley Park in Chicago. We've played in North Carolina. We played at Spac up in um, Saratoga Springs. We've played Boston. We played the um, Great Woods. What whatever it is now. It's Great Woods. (laughs) It is. It's Great Woods. woods. Yeah, you're right. It always will be. And we've played. um, We've played everything. We even played out in Seattle once. Yeah, but we
1: do play outside. We, we do it outside like the farmers. Do
2: you guys ever <laughs> travel by tour bus ever? Just in all this time, you must have been in a tour bus.
0: We don't have tour buses, but we have been on Willie's bus a lot. Do you ever
2: go from one place to another in the bus or yes. just hang out?
0: Yes, I have. Is I, that I've cool? A ride.
2: Can, can you like tell me what that's like? I've never <laughs> been able to do that.
0: <laughs> of course it is. It's very cool. It's very cool. You just kind
2: of sit there and talk? and
0: Talk for a while, then you fall asleep on a couch, and like, you know, you just have to be careful you don't fall off.
2: It gets unglamorous, though, right? I mean, it's cool in retrospect, but it's got to be kind of tough on a bus day after day.
0: Yeah, it's one bathroom for everybody, and you know they're they're always extremely polite and hospitable to us. But um, I'm sure, you know, we work with a with the lighting company that trains their people how to get along in buses. Really? Because which I, there's bus etiquette, and if you don't do that, you're going to have bad fights. And it's yeah, there, there really is. You really have to learn how to live that way.
2: Like a submarine.
0: Yeah, yeah, precisely. It is. There's
2: certain people that can't do <laughs> submarines and tour buses, I guess. Yeah. How involved are you, Carolyn, in the production now?
0: Well, now we're very involved in production. Um, and actually, the back, our producer is the same person that did Farm Aid One, Ron Stern. And he is the same guy. He's been with us the entire time. And so have a lot of the um, crew. A lot of the production crew have been with us that long.
2: So, what are some things that you have to think about that I wouldn't think that you would have to think about? You've mentioned lighting. What else is on your checklist of stuff you have to worry about?
0: Well, we worry. Um, we choose the venue quite carefully, and that takes a lot of time. That's like being a taxi dispatcher because you have to look and see what bands of the of Willie, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, and Dave Matthews you have to make sure they're all there, and that. So you have to find out what their tours look like, and that's a, that's a little complicated. But so the venue is, is of some concern. And what are the other issues? We want to make sure there's enough space backstage for the artists to be able to um, enjoy the day. We have um, our
1: Ron Stern and we have Charlie Hernandez, who's our production manager, and he is the producer for Sting, um, the Rolling Stones. I mean, he's been out with everybody, just like Ron um, he moves uh, the bands in, in an incredibly efficient way. It's this is a stage manager. okay,
2: you over here. let's go. We need in yeah. five minutes. let's go. I mean, you we the rule of an from, iron fist.
1: We can go from Neil Young to Willie Nelson in seven minutes. Like nobody can turn a stage like that. And that's one thing we have to think about because we are a festival. We have fifteen bands on the bill this year. Uh, but we do it all on one stage in one day.
2: So who does the mcs, the different the artists introduce each other? Is that how it works?
1: A
0: lot of times, Yeah, yes. they do sometimes. And we've had, um, at other times, we've had um, people, you know, actors and movie stars, so to speak, do the emceeing. Um, and that's when we've had, that's when the live TV show has wanted that. But we don't, uh, lately, we mainly want the audience to know what's happening so that we remind them of the things that they can be doing. We have an incredible food situation. It's the, I always say, it's the best restaurant in the United States. The problem is it's only for one day a year. All of our food is sourced from family farmers, and we make sure that they're getting a fair price and that there's some ecological standard that they're using. And every single bit of concessions, I mean, probably most of this audience tonight has been to a concert, and they've eaten concession food at venues. And I don't want to knock it, but on the other hand, I think we all know what it's like. And this food is completely sourced differently. Every single bit, you know, the menu might be a little similar. Yes, we have hot dogs, we have hamburgers. And we have grilled cheese sandwiches, but all of it is um, the, the grain. We know exactly where the grain's coming from. The cheese, of course, this year in Wisconsin is going to be fabulous. And we know where the meat is coming from for all the meat products. We, we know every single thing is sourced by Glenda Yoder in our office, who works with another woman, Sonia Dagovitz, who is a professional um, culinary person. Um, And as Jen mentioned, you know, our production people, Charlie Hernandez has been with us almost as long as Ron, and they've produced shows together for years. They did the Live Aid tour. Um, I'm not thinking, I'm thinking of, was it Live? Not the Live Aid tour, but the Amnesty International tour is what they did together. And, um, And we have people from Boston that are longtime volunteers. Steve McDonald, who was the communications director of the Boston Fire Department, Comes every year as a volunteer, and his brother, Rich, now works for us, who produced the Boston Fourth of July. So we've had people that have been for many, many, many years. And they all know each other, and everybody's happy to be together once a year.
2: After the break, I'm going to get to the best part, the, the artists, the lineup, and, the, and what you have for food and events this year. We'll save that for the finale. But before the break, how does organic factor into all this? Is that difficult for the family farmers, or do they embrace it? The organic thing?
1: It has definitely been a really great opportunity for family farmers. Um, we see growth in organic every year. Um, and it's also, you know, an investment that farmers have to make. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to change uh, your production methods on a farm and it costs money. So, um, in downturns like we have right now, it's a little bit harder for farmers to move in that direction. But, of course, the demand is there, and they earn a premium when they do make those changes like organic or grass-fed or pasture-based livestock and, and those kinds of changes.
2: Is there a nationwide market for organic, or is that a Northeast thing?
1: Oh, no. It's, it's worldwide.
2: Worldwide. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a break and talk about the gig coming up, saving the best for last. It's WBZ. We're not talking about smear evening. You may find yourself
0: wide awake in the early hours of the day. And you may find yourself locking your radios on to Bradley
2: J. WBZ News Radio 1030.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)
2: We gotta talk. Well,
0: why
2: can we talk? Over there is a very capable radio. Radio, radio, radio. Get me someone on the other end of that radio. Yes, Bradley J. You know. Bradley J. J. Talking. You hear him talking on your radio. I can hear you. WBZ News Radio, ten thirty. WBZ Boston's news radio on a Friday. Oh my God! The today the weather was so great. I hope it's still nice out. For our guests on the way home, they're going to beat the hurricane, I guess. Carolyn Mugar, executive director of Farm Aid; Jennifer Fahey, the excellent communications director for Farm Aid. I'm so honored to have you both in the studio tonight. Now let's get down to it. This big gig coming up. By the way, you guys, you people, you go to gigs. You don't. You're not just executives. <laughs> you were talking about going to Bonnaroo. Do you? Are you <laughs> concert goers in general? You are, right? Most certainly. Most yeah. certainly. Where, where do you have any favorite places you've been? You know, highlights, concert highlights, besides uh, Farm Aid.
0: Well, Jazz Fest in New Orleans and Newport Folk, and um, we go to a lot of gigs as artists come through town.
1: Yeah, we'll be visiting with Willie tomorrow night, in, or tonight, I guess it is Friday now, um, in Guilford, New Hampshire. Yeah.
2: What's he doing? Has he got a gig?
1: He does. He's on his Outlaw tour. Um, so it's Willie Nelson. It's a lot of the Farm Aid uh, lineup this year. Willie Nelson, Bonnie Raitt, uh, Brothers Osborne. So we'll be up to visit him and check in about Farm Aid.
2: I've only been able to interact with him twice, and both of them were, like, as you know, super cool. One was at uh, Woodstock 3, that ugly one. And I remember that he didn't like to get out of his bus. He, the bus drove practically up to the door of the tent. He didn't like to walk. And he talked about golfing. And yes. he, he, he takes his clubs and his buses and golfs. Is that, tr- is that the case? That,
0: that is true. The, in fact, on his tour, which we get the schedule from the travel agency, there's always where the gl- uh, closest golf course is. That's yeah. Man,
2: he's living the, the life. All right, we right, let's talk about this gig coming up. Who's playing in Wisconsin at the Alpine Valley Music Theater this year?
0: Well, of course, our the board artists, Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, and Dave Matthews are featured. And then in addition to that, it's going to be Bonnie Raitt, Luke Combs. Now, do you know Luke Combs? No. Nope. Okay, he's a new artist, really, really hitting it. He's uh, sells selling out immediately. And another wonderful new artist is a woman named Yola from England, who is really great. you got to hear her. People, Yola. Keep your ears open for okay, her. Okay, Yola. Yep.
2: Not all country acts or mostly country acts?
0: Well, it's not, you know, as... It's always so hard. I don't actually seriously consider Willie a country act. I mean, he's just as much blues. So... Categories are, are slippery. Um, Luke Holmes is a country artist, as a matter of fact. But Bonnie Raitt, you know, you can't... Uh, Bonnie Raitt's everything. And then Jamie Johnson, who has played many, many farm maids and is a real artist. Um, Brothers Osborne, Margot Price, Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real, and Lucas just played in Fenway Park with Zach Brown Band, and he's got quite a following of his own now. And then Micah Nelson... And who am I forgetting, Jen? Ian Melencamp?:
2: I suppose anybody uh, like New Americana bands would fit in. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Texas Blues bands would fit in. Mm-hmm. If Stevie Ray Vaughn were around, he would probably fit right in.
0: If you look he at has who, He has played. and if you look at who has played, I mean, it's really an amazing um, array of artists, and it's, by, it's in no way just country.
1: Right, we've, we've had, had more than 500 artists. They all donate their time and their expenses, so that makes Farm Aid very unique. And we've had, you know, reggae, polka. <laughs> um, Farm Aid initially, the first show was described as the first live event where country and rock and roll came together. Um, Kid Rock, we've had Kid hit. Rock, Kid Rock, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guns we've, and Roses, yeah. Um, there have, there have been some. You know bands that you wouldn't necessarily think would be into farming or farm aid and and yet they're there the list is how many
2: people long. tend to show up how big is this how close can you get to the artists
1: um well you can get really close if you um pay the money a VIP. <laughs> yeah exactly yep. um the people do um they pay generously for those first row tickets yeah. and, and we show them a good time in the vip area um the venue changes year to year. We move it around the country. That's part of our mission, to bring it to different places, highlight farmers in different regions and what they're up against in terms of challenges and opportunities in those regions. So we move it around, which means some years we're going with a crowd of 20,000 or a year like this year we have a crowd of 30,000. It varies.
2: Now, it must be nice because at a lot of musical gigs, it's just kids. This must be a place where grown-ups can go and feel good because there are other grown-ups there.
0: And feel like kids. And feel like kids. <laughs> it's. Right. It's, it's
1: always family friendly, too. Yes. We, um, the Homegrown Village, you mentioned the. Yeah, let's the talk about fair. the Homegrown Village. Yeah, the Homegrown Village is an area that we describe as sort of like a county fair. It runs throughout the afternoon and it's made up of hands on exhibits and demonstrations that introduce people to the roots of agriculture. We are teaching people how to make cheese.
2: Is it make- like 4 H? I used to exhibit 4-H
1: stuff. Yeah, 4-H is there. They're one of our partners this year. Um, We have organizations from across the country that are working on food and farm issues. So they have exhibits about, for instance, you know, how to, they illustrate in a hands-on way what corporate consolidation means, because that's a tough topic. Um, But we also do things like, you know, how to milk a cow and how How to use compost and make compost at home.
0: And this year, every year we concentrate on the local area, and it's a great learning experience for us because we get much deeper into the what's happening in different areas. And we're in this Wisconsin, and there are 11 tribes in Wisconsin, so there's going to be quite a lot of participation from the various tribes in the homegrown village and at our, at our, our, our events.
2: Three minutes to go, so it's going to be like a lightning round here. There's a, <laughs> a Farm Aid app, correct?
0: There is, yes. You can get it
1: um, in iTunes and Google Store.
2: And you can watch at home again. How can people watch at home?
1: Uh, we'll be airing on Access TV if you look that up on your cable service provider. Uh farmaid.org will have a live stream of the webcast starting at three PM Eastern and uh, we'll be streaming all day on Sirius XM's Willie's Roadhouse.
2: You can get uh, emails from FarmAid to update you on stuff. Yep, how, you, how do you can do that?
1: sign up for our email at farmade.org, right on our website.
2: Is there anyone from your organization you want to shout out to that works really hard?
1: Everybody at Farm Aid works so hard. And like Carolyn says, we have volunteers and and folks that we've worked with over the years. Um, So the Farm Aid staff, they work out of our office in Cambridge, Mass. And for anyone wondering, that's because Carolyn, who was chosen in those early days, has been, she lives in Cambridge. So that's why Farm Aid is here.
2: Excellent. I can't thank you enough for coming in. It It makes this Friday a great start to this Friday. Thank you so much. All the best to you and this Farm Aid and future Farm Aids. And folks... I hope you get a sense of the, the the uh, the trend, the future, and I hope you jump on board. I hope you're motivated. That was the word I was looking for. Motivated to eat family farm products and be part of part of the future, part of the movement. Thank you very much.
0: We appreciate Thank your you. interest. Thank you.
2: Uh, it's WBZ. Now a lot of facts in this uh, interview. You might want to uh, get the podcast so you can get you know the. The information on how to connect and how to go. By the way, what's the best airport to fly to if you go, if you were going to go?
1: <laughs> um, there's actually a number you can choose from. Uh, we find that the most flights are out of O'Hare, and then it's about an hour long, hour and a half long drive. To the oh, venue. so you
2: could go to O'Hare and only an hour and a half?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yep. Milwaukee's a little bit closer, but there are fewer flights each day.
2: So that is uh, that's not bad at all. You could Uber that if you had to.
1: <laughs> right. <You> that's <laughs> only a three-hour,
2: two and a half-hour flight. Lots of flights, yep. cheap. Wow, you know it's looking more and more uh, appetizing though. Cancel
1: as, those plans as we go along. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and
2: start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky?